0: The start on demand. on demand.
1: The wind chill hit minus fifty at the airport this morning. Minus fifty, but school buses in Winnipeg still ran. We'll ask the school divisions what is the breaking point. The Western Hockey League is coming to Winnipeg. Should they keep the name Ice? A WHL veteran broadcaster says, no way. We've been talking a lot about the winter blues. We'll speak with a mental health professional on how to beat those blues. We'll also talk to some fitness pros on how to stick with those pesky New Year's resolutions now that we're a few weeks out from January 1st. And how to get over being intimidated by a new gym. And finally, which old technology once upon a time blew your mind. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, January 29th podcast for The Start. Lauren McNabb, how cold does it have to be for the Winnipeg School Division to throw in the towel?
2: Colder than this, or at least depending on where they measure that temperature and where they measure the wind chill. That's the question for the major school divisions this morning. Of course, you've been hearing Jeff Braun talk about a number of buses not running in you know, Minnedosa, Brandon, Seine River School Division. But in Winnipeg, all the buses are running. That's the message from all six superintendents in Winnipeg. And to get more on why, we're joined by the superintendent of Penmina Trail School Division, Ted. And friends, and good morning, Ted.
3: Good morning.
2: So walk us through what happens. Was there a conference call just a few minutes ago, and what was the decision?
3: Who calls each other anymore? We have a WhatsApp chat board, and we were in touch with each other all the evening last night and this morning, and we simply confirmed that we have a policy that we will follow, and the policy is that if the wind chill at the forks at 6 a.m. is minus 45 or colder, then the buses will not run. If it's warmer than that, the buses run.
2: It's reading right now, I think, minus 43 with the wind chill. So just a few uh, degrees or with the wind uh, off. So buses continue to run this morning throughout Winnipeg. Some parents wondering if, you know, what if it gets colder, Ted? What happens if later in the day the wind chills are even worse and my child is at school? Will the buses still bring them home?
3: The buses will bring them home at the regular time. Uh, Typically in schools, we do not send children home early. Mostly because we have no way of knowing who's going to be home to receive the child safely. So, uh, safe protocol means that you stay with the plan as it was in place at the beginning. That's where parents get security when they know there's something predictable. So, we send buses home at the regular time, uh, even if the wind chill has dropped.
1: What happens at school? Do the kids go outside for recess when it's as cold?
3: Recess has a different threshold. The threshold is minus 27. And so if it's colder than minus 27, either in temperature or wind chill, then at principal's discretion, uh, the kids stay inside. And most of the time they stay inside. And, uh, you know, we have amazing staff. Our bus drivers right now, as you can imagine, they're outside getting their buses started and they're awfully cold. So a shout out to the bus drivers across the city. And our teachers and EAs and other staff do amazing things with kids during recess and noon hours uh, on good days like today above and beyond the call of duty Uh, kids need to be safe they need to be active and they are and I just want to do a shout out for staff as well.
0: Ted I've been under the impression that the reason for cancelling buses isn't so much that they won't start or they won't run but in the eventuality or in a situation where they're in a collision or they stall out these buses just get so cold if they're not running that it it puts students at risk can you tell us uh, confirm that or is that a fallacy?
3: No, but you're absolutely right. It is about um, how long it might take to get to a bus to keep kids safe, or if a child is waiting for a bus and not knowing that the bus has been held up in an accident and doesn't know how long uh, the child will have to wait. And so it's not about the immediate cold. It's, it's about the prospect of not getting uh, uh, EMS out to a, a down bus, or how long a child may have to wait outside. And and also, if we don't know, we, we can't guarantee what kids are wearing. Uh, because, quite frankly, wind chill actually isn't cold, it's just wind. It's not any, It's the temperature is still minus 32 right now, it's not minus 43. Uh, so, uh, you know, if a child is properly dressed, uh, it's still minus 32 because there's no exposed skin. But we, we, kids, you know kids, they don't put all their toques on, their gloves on. And so out of an abundance of caution, uh, we make sure that we uh go the extra mile with, with your policy.
1: Ted, why do you use the, the forks and not the airport? I'm sure the kids would be happy if you <laughs> used the airport because right now it's minus 33, feels like minus 49.
3: Well, it's about safety, right? And the wind that you have at the airport, you, you've been to the airport. It's like being on the, on, a, on a farm. And you've been downtown, you've been in our schools, you've been in our schoolyards. Uh, it, the, the wind is different. And wind chill is a combination of temperature and Wind speed, and the wind is slower in Winnipeg than it is at the airport. So we use the we use the more realistic uh, wind chill factor. Wow,
0: it's it's nice to hear you using some some reasonable uh, qualifications and parameters for this, Ted. Uh, appreciate it very much.
3: You're very welcome, and, and stay warm. All right,
1: Ted Franz and his superintendent of education, CEO at the Pemina Trail School Division, joining us live this morning on six eighty CJOB. McGarry and McNabb, and we just had this kind of spontaneous conversation uh, the other day, Greg and I, about technology that once blew our minds, and for me it was the transition from the clip we're about to play to something else. Here's the clip that McNabb dug up.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Put a cushion on top of it. It's so
2: loud. I love it
0: a blanket a, a cushion from the
1: couch the dot matrix printer i remember the first printer we had in our home that my dad brought home from work it was kind of like a hand-me-down thing he would sort of inherit like sort of technology that had been phased out and we could just bring it home for nothing and it was the the oldest most brittle thing where the paper it had if it fell off the line by a millimeter the whole thing would come off the rail and it would take, like, if I had to print a five-page report, it would take an hour. Mm-hmm. So you, and sometimes it would you'd get to the last page, and then it would fall apart, and you'd have to start over.
2: Is that uh, why you still had to peel off the tabs? Yes. See, right, you said, like, the paper comes off? Off the edge, yeah. And you'd have a school report due, and then you'd have to, if I was up late, I remember, like, it'd be midnight, and everybody else in the house would be asleep, and then I'd shut the door. And I would put a pillow at the door so, like, nobody could hear the printer going. Wow. Because I tried to print out, like, Brr!
1: So he took me to his work one day because he said, we've got this laser printer. Oh, what? A laser printer. And I thought, I want to see this in action. So because I had a 10-page report to do or whatever. And this thing was a tank, Like like a desktop laser printer. Now I'll kick things out, lickety split. But this thing was a beast. But sure enough, you send it to the printer and out come five pages. And I remember holding them in my hand, just like this thing shot these out in three seconds. And I couldn't comprehend, like my brain was unable to process what had just happened, like, how, how,
0: how, dad, how, how does this work? Oh, it's, it's lasers, son. I don't get it! <laughs> at that point, the only thing we knew about lasers was basically seen in Star Wars yeah. or Star Trek or Batt- Battlestar Galactica. They were completely conceptual. How are they going to use lasers to to help our
2: everyday life? It was inconceivable. It's now, And now when I see a 3D printer at work, like I can't even look at it when it's doing things because I was like, I don't want to know how this is happening. Like, how is this happening? It confuses the heck out of me. Like, amazing stuff people are doing, but I can't. I don't do well with that. Now well, you
1: have pulled another clip here.
2: Well, this was mostly. This wasn't like the the switch from what I'm about to play to what we all currently rely on isn't what I would consider my most mind blowing. It's just that this sound is. If you're our age or older, you know exactly what it is.
0: A phone. Push button. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
4: I love so much. this. This is funny.
2: Oh, this brought me so much joy. And that's not so long. (laughs) <laughs> it's not so long ago that we were like. Put it on the modem! Having quick. to deal with that, right? And now you just you just go everywhere. And my, you know, your kids are like, hey, do you. Like, they, we were out for supper the other day and they asked the server what the Wi Fi password was. Like, that's where we're at.
3: Really? Well, <laughs> yeah. you
0: remember you used to serve, save your reports and any work on your computer on a cassette tape <laughs> from your Vic 20 days? Oh, a cassette my God. That's right. Tape and, and, and like. Are you sure you're going to be able to store any data on that one? Yep. Sure enough, my first memory of mind-blowing technology was in the lobby of the Galaxy Hotel in Anaheim, California. We were waiting to take the shuttle to Disneyland. It was like March 76. Pong. Tabletop (laughs) version of Pong. And I remember my dad. Boys, look at this. And it was the first iteration of a tabletop video game. And I think for Christmas of 76, we got the Lloyds brand (laughs) of the the Pong with the paddle that went up and down. But it had not only tennis, but it had racquetball, hockey, and soccer. And they were all the same game. They were all the same game. (laughs) That was what, 76? 76, yep. Oh. <laughs> Same game, just different name. Yep, yep. But
3: oh, my you, God. But if you
0: whip the paddle up, you could kind of, whoop. You could kind of get some spin on, action on the ball, on that square ball. It was great.
2: Uh, And then you go back to try to play some of those games now, and it's so funny to see, like, the difference. I was playing last night uh, one of the Mario Brothers. I'm trying to remember three, I think. That's the
1: thing. I love going back to uh, play the Nintendo.
2: And I love it. Like, and the kids were laughing. They're like, Mom, you just do this, this, and this. And I'm like, I know. I used to do this. And then I... I laughed because I couldn't do it anymore and it looks so silly. But for me, the biggest technology thing that still blows my mind is how we like do stuff at work. When I was first in television, like if you didn't have a satellite truck to send your stories, if you were on the trip, your story didn't. Get to air, mm-hmm. and so that you relied on. So I remember being in Sri Lanka and and begging someone to use their satellite truck for time, or in New Orleans, and then we suddenly got this thing where, like, I still don't even know what it's called. My producer in Toronto used to say, "Like, Loren, just call it the magic stick because you can't handle what's happening here." And I would just put it. And I'd be like, "Where's that magic stick?" And I'd put it into the laptop, and the story would just go to well, I don't even know where where in the air. <laughs> and then to the station and he's like yeah we got it and I'd, every time I'd be like how? <laughs> like how is this happening? We start to, to bang on satellite track doors and even then I didn't understand that it was pinging off satellites all over the didn't world matter. Right? Didn't matter Didn't matter Then we got this magic stick I should learn its name
1: We're gonna talk Western Hockey.
0: Greg Mackling. It's a story we've been following since September of 2018. Rumors abounding that a group from Winnipeg that had bought the Kootenai Ice that presently lives in Cranbrook, British Columbia, would eventually move the Kootenay Ice to Winnipeg. Well, that day has come. An announcement is expected this afternoon. And to help us understand a little bit more about the Western Hockey League and this market, in particular, someone familiar with both. He is a member of the CGOB family once and always sports director for sports Saskatoon uh media group and a play-by-play voice of Saskatoon blades hockey Les Lazarick, 98 cool FM joins us now good
5: morning Lester good morning good morning
0: great to have you on these airwaves as always so uh this this has been the worst kept ser- secret in the Western Hockey League fair to say <laughs>
5: It is the worst-kept secret. and It's a very bittersweet one, Greg, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it, it is bitter because the Ice franchise just not being able to make it any longer in Cranbrook. It has been bleeding money for a while. The attendance has not been there. It's only averaging 2,218 fans per game, and uh, that's been augmented by a couple of decent crowds this year. Basically, they've played to hardly anybody, basically friends and family, uh, in, in Cranbrook for the last couple of years. Uh, sweet, because I'm, I'm really excited for the idea of a Western Hockey League team finally being back in my hometown in the city of Winnipeg for the first time since the Warriors moved to Moose Jaw in 1984. Uh, I remember that particular event. I was working at CJOB at the time when it happened, and uh, I remember at the time thinking that we may never see a major junior team come back because there was the National Hockey League in Winnipeg, and it seemed to have really taken over the city. But uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to see that this prospect is, is finally going to become a reality come the fall.
2: You mentioned your bittersweet f- sweet feelings, but in that also the fact that uh, Cranbrook hasn't been able to fill the rink for folks to watch the Kootenai Ice, and now this team will move to Winnipeg where there are other hockey teams, other sports to compete with. Any thoughts on whether or not a WHL team can make a go here given the competition for fans in other things like the AHL, the NHL, and MJHL?
5: Well, Loren, they're, 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 to be sure that this is something uh, that they're going to have to work at, this isn't going to be something where they're going to come into Winnipeg with the Western Hockey League team, and lo and behold, people are just going to show up. They're going to have to work at this, and they're going to have to find a way to have good price points for tickets, make it family affordable, make it something that families are going to want to come to, people with young kids that can't afford to go to an NHL game at Bell MTS Place. Uh, to me, this is something that there, there's, a, there's a void there, and the Manitoba Moose move. It to a degree but i think there's something there yet in the in the city that a western hockey league team could very well fill a void in that respect for Young families with kids who are just growing up who are getting into hockey and are clamoring for it, and it's a cheap alternative to be able to go to and a good alternative, too, because you're seeing a lot of the great players that come into the National Hockey They a lot of them get their start in this league. And, and Kootenai has one of the kids right now in their lineup who's a projected early first-round pick in this year's NHL draft in Peyton Krebs. He'll be 18 next year. He'll be back with the, with the Winnipeg team, whatever it's called, and I hope there's going to be a name change, but Peyton Krebs, and the ice have themselves a pretty good team coming if indeed they are moving from cranbrook to winnipeg
0: i think at this point uh less we anticipate them to remain the ice in fact we i think uh, you don't like that name
5: no i think it's time to retire it it's gone through starting in 1996 in edmonton moved with the team to cranbrook in 1998 it has been in all along i think it would benefit to have a change i'd like to see hey the last time Winnipeg won a Memorial Cup was uh-huh. 1959, and it was the Winnipeg Braves. And I'd love to see that name be brought back, because I think if you do it in a respectful, classy dignified manner and embrace the First Nations aspect of it, you're going to win a whole bunch of new fans along the line as well. Bring back the Braves, make them the Winnipeg Braves, and let's get it going.
0: Wow, Les Lazaric uh, on the on the pulpit, <laughs> asking for the return I of the... I win- to do that every once in a <laughs> while. Oh, that's all right, Les, we like it. Hey, one last question before you go. This group talking about, we understand, a 4,500-seat arena there about, they'll play at the old Max Bell Arena on oh. campus at at, uh, it's the Wayne Fleming Arena at Max Bell Center on campus for a couple of years. 4,500 seats or thereabouts—is that enough to to be competitive? Let's pretend they can play to 85 or 90 percent capacity. Of that most of the time.
5: Yeah, I, I think it can. I mean, you take a look around the league, and I think if you're getting anywhere from 3,500 to 4,000 fans, you're able to make it. Your average again, your average ticket price is $20. If you get you know half the building of season tickets. Uh, I, th- I think you can make a good go of it. Your your uh, per year uh, budget is in the two to three million dollar range. So I think if you put that together with about a four thousand or thirty five hundred to four thousand seat average attendance per game, I think you can make a go of it.
1: All right, Les Lazarik, play by play for the Saskatoon Blades, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Thank you so much for the visit. Not a problem. And the question of the day at cjob.com. Are you excited the WHL is coming to Winnipeg? Yeah, more hockey so far has 33% of the vote, while 67% says no, we already have the NHL, oh. AHL, and MJHL. Enough already, and then when you think about the MMJHL and various other hockey leagues. So you can log on to cjob.com. Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. <music> Joined once again for our monthly visit with our friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology, Manitoba, and on social media through the movement Win Love. Raymond, how are you, man? I am cold. <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit colder than you. You went on a little journey to Tanzania, right? I did, yes,
6: absolutely. How My was annual? that? It was uh, quite amazing. It's, uh, it was a good uh, visit this year. We go, I go back every year to teach and try to help and consult and develop programs there, and this year was... Uh, a good year in terms of being able to make some positive changes. So
2: And warmer. Dar es Salaam the, is the capital, right? Yes, that's right. 32 yeah. degrees there right now. I just wanted
6: to. That's a
2: full yeah. like 70 degrees yeah. warmer.
6: I did not bring my parka. No. no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you've got a really burly parka right now. So.
0: <laughs> What's the connection there?
6: Um, so I was actually born in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. My family is originally Zanzibari, and uh, I go back there. I have a visiting professor position at a couple of universities there. So I've been going back for the past ten years to teach and develop programs that uh, that are sustainable to provide access to mental health services in low resource settings.
0: Is that an obligation in your mind? Uh, tell me how you, how you how you justify that, or would it be more of a justification
6: to not do it? Um, I mean, for me, it's just about being able to give back, um, you know, I mean, it's the same reason I think we did, our team has done a lot of stuff here, including when love and our teddy bears picnic, it's like, we can do it with fairly little inconvenience to ourselves. So why not? You know, and I generally say when you have the opportunity to help, I mean, it's doable. So, So why not? It's not complicated.
1: So we brought you in today. Well, we thought we'd talk about the winter blues. Yesterday we had a conversation on what do we do to fight back against the winter blues because it doesn't take much for them to set in. Mm -hmm. So whether it's you're doing something to fight back or just at the very least prepare yourself to deal with it. But I guess first maybe... The term, the winter blues, like, is there yes. actually something more to it other than just getting sick of the cold?
6: So there is a clinical diagnosis called seasonal affective disorder where people will actually experience lower levels of mood or depression during the winter months. Um, But I like to to always demystify some of those clinical diagnoses because I think what tends to happen when we have those clinical diagnoses is we put people in these boxes of us versus them, those poor people who have mental illness and those of us who don't. Um, Really, it's very much a spectrum, and I think all of us experience some level of kind of lower mood in these months, and there's multiple factors we can talk about today, but... um, Generally, lower levels of light, lower levels of activity are going to decrease our mood. And all of us, especially on a day like today, are going to be grumbling, and not feeling as best as we could.
2: I've definitely been feeling that more so this year than I have in the past. And it's interesting because it hasn't been that bad of a winter. I mean, it's a terrible day today. But ultimately, it's been a pretty typical winter. The sun has shone almost every day. And I don't know if it's just because now my job revolves around getting up in the night and my sleep is different. But I have found those low points more so than before. So I I don't want to self-diagnose with something. I just I just would call it. I don't feel like myself.
6: Yes, absolutely.
2: And does it just start right there by saying that? And then and then where do I go? Yeah, so we,
6: we we can all struggle with diff- – I mean every single one of us, low levels of light. I mean one more reason to kind of consider reconsider our daylight savings time kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but um, all of us can struggle with mood at, the, at this point in time. And there are some of us more so than others. So there are uh, clinical treatments for that. I think there's light lamps that a lot of people will use with seasonal affective disorder. But I, I like to move away from the diagnostic piece. If you are struggling, then it's good to consider what we can do to kind of resolve these issues. Um, so, if I could, if, would you mind if I take it back a little bit and talk a little bit about how to address these issues, or how mood is affected? Um, so, generally speaking, our mood is our mood is very much like a battery. Um, we, as we move, as we engage with other people, it charges our battery. And every day we both charge and kind of use up that battery. But, you know, in months when it's warmer, when we're more active, when we're more social, in those times of our life, our battery is charged more. So we have a surplus. So we can go to bed and we can actually not be active for a good amount of time and still use that surplus battery. What tends to happen is when we start to become less social, when we be when we're less active, we're not charging that battery, but we're using it at the same time because we need it to engage in our everyday activities, and then it starts to dip into the minus. And when it starts to dip into the minus, that's when our mood is affected, and we don't have as much energy, we don't have as much motivation. And so there's this concept called behavioral activation that we use in treatment uh, of, of depression is basically we encourage people to start to become slightly more active. And it doesn't mean that we have to move from zero to 60, you know, right away, but we have to do slightly more than we have the energy to do. And we keep monitoring, you know, what, what energy level am I at? I'm going to do a little bit more. And what it does is actually charges ourselves. So we might not think we're actually charging our battery. In fact, we tend not to notice a difference when we're in the minus. We only tend to notice a difference when we start to become in the positive,
2: so my energy reserves are down. My fat reserves are still up, by the way. But that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, I digress. I don't want you and me g- both, sister. <laughs> it's winter, and that comes with it. But so we can talk to ourselves about it. But how 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 much help might it be in enlisting someone in your life? To kind of mm. get you out. We can, and I don't I mean to say, yeah. you know, look, I'm feeling depressed. Help me get out of the house more. But to kind of have that weekly buddy that there's a walk with or a gym trip with or whatever it might be.
6: Very, very, very helpful. But I like to, like I always say to people. So if I see people clinically, I say to them, they're like, well, how do I avoid this? And I said, we need to start at the end of summer. At the beginning of fall, end of summer, we need to start to plan. And we tend to be quite complacent when we think about mood. You know, we're active and social in the summertime. And then, you know, we're busy in the fall because it's back to school, back to work. But then our activity levels go down. We're not mindful about trying to be engaged over the course of the winter season. Um, So I always say to people, tie yourself to an obligation socially, physically, uh, over the course of the fall, taking you right through the winter. And then, you know, the new season of a lot of activity starts in January. Sign the heck up. Um, that is that obligation, both both financial, because you may be paid for a course, uh, and social, because people are going to rely on you to be able to come out, will force you to get out of the house. Because otherwise, you know, this cold doesn't motivate us to leave. Um, a lot of people talk about um, you know, winter activities, we're a winter city, we need to get you. Well, we don't need to get used to winter activities, but we do need to get used to getting out of our house or pulling people in. So we have that engagement and that activity. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman is our guest. He is with Clinic Psychology Manitoba.
1: And as well, you can go to the website winlove.ca. It's Winnipeg Love. You can follow them on social media as well. It's our monthly Psychology and the City visit, and we'll talk more about beating winter... Psychology and the City with Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology, Manitoba. Make sure you check out winlove.ca as well. Greg, I know you've been feverishly taking notes. You've got a bunch of questions for Raymond.
0: Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, I I figure if I'm feeling the way I've been feeling the last 48 hours or so, there's got to be other people Mm -hmm. who are feeling like I am. Uh, You mentioned obligations and activity. I've been busy for the last two or three weeks around some great people, lots of fantastic activities, whether it's kids' sports or social activities. And then maybe Sunday afternoon, I was feeling as though you might feel with your knee. Oh, I tweaked my knee or I rent slept funny on my back. But it wasn't any of those body parts. It was my mind. Yes. And yesterday I was in conversation with somebody who's on my team, my care team. Yeah. And uh, I said to her, I said, I think I'm in a low happiness cycle. Mm-hmm. And I went to see uh, my friend who's also my osteotherapist, and she just worked on my cranium for yeah. an hour, just trying to get things flowing. And she just figured she could feel physical things going on in there. I bring this up only because I could talk to you about this off yeah. the air, but I, I know that there got to be people feeling this way. How do we get over that idea of talking ourselves out of our feelings, because I found myself doing that yesterday. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, it's not that bad. But I'm convinced I'm
6: not in the best of places in the last couple of days. So, um, you know, there are multiple contributions to mood. We talked about physical activity and, like, behavioral activation, but also our thoughts have a great impact on how we feel now. uh, There's a cycle between our feelings, our thoughts, and our behaviors. And so what I spoke about in the previous segment was just about us changing our behavior. Um, But we can also start to change the way that we think. Um, we have thoughts, our thoughts are going through our head on a regular basis. We tend to have a really poor memory for the way that we think. We have a good memory for the feelings they deposit, you know, the consequences of those thoughts. And so being mindful about the thoughts that go through our mind, about how we see each other, how we see ourselves, how we see the world that we live in can have a certainly negative or a positive impact on our mood. So starting to be mindful about those thoughts and then challenging some of those thoughts can be critically helpful. Um, that's a cognitive part of, uh, of of treatment when it comes to mood or any other difficulties.
2: Can you give us an example of that? Like what would it be for if I am felt some way like hurt by something yeah. and then your thoughts start to take you down a path perhaps that's not healthy? Is it getting back to the original feeling or reminding yourself that rationally this is how it actually was versus how you were we feeling in that Yeah. Moment?
6: So usually the thoughts that bother us the most are one of two kinds of thoughts. They're usually unrealistic or not solution focused. Um, so we need to kind of see whether the thought that we're having, is it realistic? And if it isn't realistic, then we have to offer ourselves a realistic one. We have to start to challenge that on a regular basis. And then there's times where the thoughts are realistic, but we have no solution focused thoughts. So it leaves us hopeless and not having a lot of control. And in those cases, we need to start thinking about solutions of what we're going to do because that gives us back some control. Um, let's, take the, take, let's take an example of the thoughts that go through our mind when it's like minus 50 outside, right? Like, duh, it's so cold outside. I can't take it. Why do I live here? Why do I live where my face hurts? Isn't there like a cartoon going around with that, right? <laughs> but, but, and, and that's a realistic thought. We do live in a place where our face hurts. Why do we live here? Well, why don't we answer that thought? Once we answer that question, we think of solutions. Well, I live here because I have a good job. I live here because I have good connections. I have good family. And my solution is now to make sure that I connect with those people. So the behavior has to follow through with that new thought versus the behavior following through with, I can't believe I live here. I just want to hibernate and watch Netflix. Well, both those will take you down to different emotional outcomes. And that those are things that we need to be mindful of. How important
1: is something simple like, I mean, Loren mentioned it. Uh, we've had a sunny winter, how important is it to get sunlight
6: when it's out? Yeah, sunlight is critically important. Um, however, more important than that is this concept of social support and behavioral activation or physical activity. Those are critically more important.
2: I often think... Um in the middle of winter about the idea of how I I wish I could have gotten away or the sunshine or getting yourself out and Mm. the reality is for most people you can't afford to take that trip but even if you can you come back a little more stressed about the money you spent or so does it make sense to hit up like this is going to sound crazy but I was thinking our gym now offers Brett and I joined a gym that different parts of the city but they offer like tanning beds and all those other things (laughs) and the only reason I thought about hopping in one the (laughs) other day was just for my mood I mean like this skin don't tan so first of all that's not even a thing but (laughs) yeah but it was more just about maybe it would help to just yeah. lay under this heat for a little
6: bit. Yeah, I think every, we should all have, like, paid vacations <laughs> to somewhere warmer around this time <laughs> yeah. of the year if you live in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, I, I can't speak to the—I'm not sure of the evidence behind the concept of a tanning bed. Or heat lamps or anything yeah. like that, yeah. Um, but, but I can speak to—like, I always like to think about— um, Like not just individual responsibility to mental health, but the societal and organizational responsibility to mental health. Uh, One of our tips on our winlove.ca website is, you know, play has purpose. And the concept there is to find ways to move and to be active even in the winter. And organizations need to think about if they want to improve the mental health of their staff to find ways to engage in these kinds of activities over the course of this break. We also have to think about the setup, right? Like when do we tend to experience these winter blues? It tends not to be right before the holidays where people are gearing up. It's usually during and after. And then the January is when we experience it. There's a double effect happening here, right? We have this winter, which is very cold. But now we're struggling with, you know, having this huge culmination of this holiday, all the stuff that goes with that, and then having to be there after that.
0: So you have social withdrawal, and then you also have the financial implications of potentially some of the decisions that you made Uh a month before or eight weeks before. And those are coming home to roost. So like you say, it's a culmination of, 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 of
6: several things. Yeah, the winter blues is never just about winter.
0: Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman
1: with Clinic Psychology Manitoba, winlove.ca. We visit with him once a month. Raymond, thank you so much for coming to talk thank to us for having about
2: this.
1: Me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. And right now we want to visit with someone who we saw in our friends on Global News Morning last week. It, the subject was how to stick with New Year's fitness resolutions. We're joined by Andrea Cates and Allie Gervais from Fit Communications. Fitcommunications.ca is the website. You can follow them on Twitter at Fitcom Girls and Fit Women and Girls on Instagram and Facebook. Andrea and Allie, hello again. It's been a while since we've seen you. Hello. It does.
7: Welcome so, to winter. <laughs> so it's
1: January 29th. A lot of people have likely abandoned their whatever fitness resolution they made. They've probably just thrown in the towel already. And that, hey, it happens to us all. We've all done it, I think. So how do you stick with that, Allie?
7: Um, Well, I would say, first of all, not to throw in the towel. I think a lot of people set these expectations of their goals or whatever that they want to do and make them too lofty, right? Like they think, oh, I'm going to lose weight this year or I'm going to eat healthy this year, but they don't put anything specific or any, you know, specific numbers with that. And maybe sometimes it's unrealistic. Like if you want to lose 30 pounds in one month, that's not realistic. And whatever your goal is, making sure that you make a plan how to get there. And then if you don't get there, if you're disappointed by how your progress is going, then it's okay to sort of step back and reevaluate and maybe change it a bit.
0: It seems to me that a lot of our goals, the goal is the result versus the goal is how am I going to get that result? Uh, am, Am I off base there?
7: No, to- totally right, like I think you have you can't just set the goal you have to make it specific and measurable right and setting out a plan for anything you do, you have to see how am I gonna get there? how am I gonna actually get to where I want to go Is it gonna happen overnight? no um, do I have to join a gym? do I have to if it's eating healthy maybe I have to cut out fast food or whatever you're going to do, make an actual plan on how you're going to get there. And just because you make a plan and if it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go, or it wasn't going to be as easy as you thought, or you're not making the progress that you thought doesn't mean that you failed. Right. Um, Because chances are you've made some sort of progress. You know, even if it's small, it's, an improvement.
0: Okay. Well, I always talk about building roadmaps and stuff when I'm building a business plan or, or other things. And it, you know, you can lay out the best plan in the world roadmap to your trip to California, but you're going to have car, car trouble, potentially, mm-hmm. you're going to have roads that are closed that weren't closed last time you did the trip, right? So you have to adjust your road trip accordingly.
4: For sure. I think that's all about flexibility, right? So with the example of a gym, um, you know, you said that you you don't want to focus on the results. I always think that it's a good idea to set a gym goal that's not surrounded by your looks. So it's not I want to look a certain way, but more maybe I want to be able to lift a certain amount of weight, run a certain amount of um, distance or in a certain amount of time, something like that. So it's not just centered solely around the way that you look, because um, I don't think that's the healthiest way to sort of set a, a health goal. Um, and I also think with the flexibility piece in mind, because um, injuries happen too, right? Like you think, oh, well, I'm gonna, I am I want to be able to run a 10K by the end of February. Well, you roll your ankle in week two. So does that mean you just don't do anything? No, you just maybe make a new goal or you adjust it or, or that kind of thing.
2: Do we have to change the way um – Gyms or our fitness people we talk to get us there as well because you mentioned the goal setting and so every time I've ever signed up for a gym and I'll admit it's intermittent it might be like every three years I'll decide to get back into the game and then I find you know I'll pick a different gym or a different program or it might be online with Beachbody or whatever and it will say well what's your goal and it's always 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 about the weight and a time frame it's very rarely asked like you mentioned running ten kilometers versus five or mm-hmm. climbing twelve flights of stairs in a row without being short of breath versus four, like that question I don't feel gets asked very often by by the professionals that we go to to try to help us achieve those goals.
4: I think you're right. And I think also, like looking at as we get a little bit older, looking at other types of numbers than just how much do I weigh? So, what is my blood pressure? What's my resting heart rate? What's my, um, my blood sugar level? Those types of things. So, not only working with somebody in the gym, but also working with your doctor to really know what your health truly is. You might look amazing, but your blood pressure is through the roof or your resting heart rate is 80. You know, you really want to make sure that you're looking at all aspects of your health before, um, just to set like a really smart goal for your health, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm.
1: Our guests are Andrea Cates and Ali Gervais from Fit Communications, the website fitcommunications.ca. And Ali, Andrea mentioned something about there where if you shouldn't set a goal based on your looks or your weight. And if that, if that is your goal, are you setting yourself up for a potentially dangerous outcome where you're unhappy with the result because you don't look the way you want, mm-hmm. but you're also unhappy because you're depriving yourself of food or whatever. So you're not, nothing's making you happy.
7: Yeah, I would definitely say, well, I don't think you can't set a goal based on your weight. Like I think that's like reality. People set goals based on their weight, right? You know, I want to look a certain way by my beach vacation or whatever. But I think also doing it smart, um, you're not going to go from eating fast food every day to cutting out that completely, uh, making sure that's realistic and that it works within your lifestyle, right? You don't want to deprive yourself so much so that you're now (laughs) – Starving, And you're not looking the way you want to look and you're working super hard and you're not achieving your results. Like, like you said, nothing's working, but making sure that it's realistic and that, you know, sort of baby steps like you have to. I just saw actually a, a friend of mine online who posted a picture of himself last year and this year, and he looks way like he looks more fit and healthy. But what he, his comments were about how he looked is totally about himself, his confidence, the way he feels, he has more energy. So I think when he started off his goal about how he looks, all these other things came about because he's exercising and mm-hmm. feeling good about himself. So, you know, keeping those things in mind, too, are going to help to sort of make you feel good, even if you're not meeting whatever that number goal is.
2: It's like the line, it's the journey, not the destination. And so it's so easy mm. to pick like an end point and say, I want to be down by these pounds. But I, you know you know, in your head that you're just going to feel good, period, if you just start totally. doing it, right? Totally. And then that, the, the impact that can have on your mental health.
0: Well, so much of it is that habit. I know that when I've been at my fittest and feeling my best, when I am committed to going to the gym, even on the days when I don't really feel like working out, I still go. I mm-hmm. always go and I make an appearance. At least changing my shorts, and I'll go and I'll do a couple things because at least I've, I will never not go to to the apparatus that I'm working on. I'll work out less, or I, I will. I will absolutely, definitely go to the facility. To mm-hmm. to miss that appointment is really a bad idea. I've found anyway.
4: For sure. I think the two of us are are really similar in that mentality. We call it gym guilt. So if we don't go, we feel guilty by the end of the day um, that, oh, like your your body just doesn't feel as good. So it kind of ends up making you sort of feel guilty that you didn't go. And in this weather, like you don't want to go. It's minus 5 billion outside. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to have to pack a bag, go to the gym, be outside again, when you don't really technically have to. But the, the bonus is, you know, when you do get there, you will feel really good. You're never going to leave the gym and saying, "I wish I never did that," or "I feel worse after going." So, really making sure that you stick to your your goals of whether it's three, four, five times a week that you want to be there, just go. How many
0: how many uh, people don't put the appointment to go to the gym in their daytime, or they put every other appointment? Their dentist, mm-hmm. their doctor, mm-hmm. uh, important business meeting. But so many people I know don't put their gym time in their calendar or on their iPhone or whatever they're For using. Sure.
4: It's making it a priority, right? So I'm the same way. Like I at the beginning of my week when I'm looking at my week, I figure out, okay, what times can I go to the gym this week? And then I put it in my calendar. And I treat that like it's a meeting or an appointment like I would anything else. So if something else comes up, no, I can't. That's the time that I set aside to go to the gym and I stick it's to it. It's blocked off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's prioritized.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's continue our conversation in a moment here, because I suspect one of the reasons why a lot of people back out of their resolutions is because they join a gym, they go, and they realize, wow, this is super intimidating. I'm surrounded by people who are more fit than me. I don't know how to use any of this equipment. Ah, I'm just going to run away. And I actually just recently joined a gym again, so I want to get over my intimidation. So we've got Andrea Cates and Ali Gervais. Fitcommunications.ca. You can follow them on Twitter at FitcomGirls and FitWomen Women and Girls on Instagram and Facebook. before we revisit our conversation on fitness with our guests loren mcnab we have some sad news from the assiniboine park zoo
2: yeah and that's the exact message from the assiniboine park zoo just putting out a notice a short time to go to say that it is great with great sadness that they share with us that one of the polar bears passed away yesterday we don't know which polar bear we don't know what happened or what might have been the cause of death they're going to have an update at 11 15 a.m and of course we will update you as soon as we know but again a Polar bear at the Cineboin Park Zoo has passed away.
1: Our guests are Andrea Cates and Ali Gervais. They are the founders of Fit Communications. Their website is fitcommunications.ca. We are talking about keeping your New Year's resolutions in terms of fitness, and one of those ways I think, in order to help keep them, would be to fight back against going to the gym and being intimidated by that process. And Andrea, I recently finally rejoined a gym. It's been, I think, five or six years since I've been to a gym. Planet Fitness just opened up the up the block here at Empress and uh, Ellis, and I went last week. And uh, the people there were super nice, but it's all kind of intimidating because it's all brand new and it's equipment I've not used, and and I just feel kind of clumsy. So how do how does one get over that intimidation phase where you can get into a routine?
4: I think there's two big elements to that. I think the first is to make sure that um, you speak to somebody that works there. So maybe that's hiring a trainer or getting a really thorough uh, lay of the land from somebody that works there as to what is what, um, how things work. Maybe take a class. Maybe you know use a trainer a couple of times, but. Don't just think that you're going to just show up and and see how things are going to work. I think you really need to kind of talk to a professional or to a friend that's been going there for a little bit longer. That might be a little bit um, easier way to sort of lessen the intimidation. But I also think from the other aspect is the people that already do go there. Um, or that are the sort of fit people that would maybe be seen as intimidating um, to the newcomers is for those two people to be a little bit less intimidating. You know, for the big dudes, you don't need to be flexing in the mirror all the time. Um, for, the, for the girls, same sort of thing. Like, don't try and be a little bit less show-off, I would say, um, when, you know, especially in January or February when there's a lot of new people in the gym. Um, just try and take that intimidating factor um, down a little bit so it can make it more comfortable for everybody.
0: What I noticed, uh, I got my program... Uh, a couple of weeks ago from my trainer and just the subtle differences in how you think you might be doing a motion uh, versus doing it correctly is incredibly subtle at times. So getting that instruction, I think the first time around and checking in and making sure you're doing it the right way is super important.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're 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 the professionals, right? So, and no matter if you've been going to the gym for two weeks or, you know, 20 years, I was just saying to Ellie yesterday. I'm thinking about getting a trainer, even though I haven't, you know, I've been going to the gym forever, but sometimes you just need a refresh or you need somebody to kind of maybe put you on a new program or to give you a few new tips. Mm -hmm. So I think it's something, no matter where you are in your fitness journey, it's something that you always want to kind of keep in mind if you can um, afford to do it. And you don't have to have your trainer with you every single workout. You can have them, you know, once a week or once every two weeks just to sort of have that add a little bonus.
2: Or you could just ask the question, am I doing this right to the person Mm -hmm. who works at the gym? Because I I will often, like I have those apps you follow, it'll say, do these seven Mm -hmm. repetitions of this. And I'll be like, oh, this isn't any problem. But if I ask someone, they'll be like, yeah, it's not any problem because you're not doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) And then as soon as you start doing it right, you're like, oh, that's the burn that (laughs) they've been talking about. I haven't really been feeling the burn. That's the target zone. But but you don't ever ask. You just sort of assume, watching simple, videos
4: right? too, right? Like I do that where if I, oh, I've heard of a new exercise, but I have no clue what it is by the words. Go to YouTube and watch somebody actually doing it properly and then try and mimic that on your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, another thing too, Allie, I think that we need to remember when we go to the gym is that even though we might be kind of too scared to ask for help. Everybody who, like, from what I can tell of the gyms I've visited, everybody who works in a gym is like they're among the happiest people on earth and they genuinely want to help you, right? Oh,
7: yeah, that's their passion, right? They're not doing it for the huge paycheck, um, I'm assuming. Um, But they want other people to be healthy and they want to share their knowledge about that. Anyone you're going to ask at the gym is going to be usually more than willing to help you. Um, And one other thing that we were talking about with being intimidated – it doesn't matter whether, it, like Andrea said, if you've been going to the gym forever or not. I went to a new gym, a new uh, version of our gym, or a new location, and I didn't know which where I was supposed to stretch, and you know. And I've been going to the gym since and working out like my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with the not knowing how to use equipment. There's new, new pieces of equipment that come in. I don't know how to use that, so I'm going to ask for help or. <laughs> Pray someone I know is doing it, you know, before me and looking at it. One of our
0: listeners asking about swimming. I started swimming and found a great way to thin down. Am I wrong? Oh,
7: my God. Swimming Don't is the greatest. greatest. Yeah. <laughs> I am um, a coach for artistic swimming as well. So that is my, that's where I started with swimming. Swimming is actually probably, for especially for people with potential injuries, is amazing. And recovering because it's no impact, right? There's no... Uh, harm to your joints. Um, that's another thing, too, If for, for someone that's swimming. Making sure that you're doing it properly is huge. Uh, if you're... But you can do... A, it's a full-body workout, you know, and it's refreshing and it's a little bit warmer in the pools and the air is warmer. It doesn't make... It makes you feel like you're somewhere tropical. I was just saying,
2: <laughs> this time of year, it's actually kind of like uh, getting away. If you can't get away, you sort of feel like you've at least for 40 minutes stepped into yeah. a nice muggy climate. Yeah. I'm not saying wind chill in the pool.
1: Fitcommunications.ca is the website. On Twitter, it's Fitcom Girls. And on Instagram and Facebook, Fit Women and Girls. Andrea Cates and Ali Gervais, co founders of Fit Communications, thank you so much for joining us today. Nice to see you Thanks again.
4: For Thanks us. for having us.